Thank you. Oh, there we go. Ha. Somebody turn me on. Thank you, sound people. So we do want to encourage you, if I can make a slight connection, with a slight correction with my brother from another mother. We don't just want you to register. We actually want you to commit to come. Because if you look at the seats around you, if you commit to come, then we, we consider that seat taken, and so we won't give it to someone else. But if you register and don't come, then we can't plan properly. So please help us plan, and uh, please help us. Uh, uh, here's another thing I encourage you to do, too. Um, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't even take a whole lot. Just uh, pray for what God is doing here. Listen, uh, I, I know Mike and I, I, I don't, I'm not looking to add things to my calendar. This is a strategic assignment from the Lord. And uh, I, I, if I was you, I would be here. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. If you have the privilege of, it's a beautiful thing. Like this is, I don't know why you're here this morning, but let me just tell you, this is really serious stuff right here, right now. We will be held accountable for what we do by serving the purposes of God for our generation. And what's really important is that we recognize that God is not, uh, he, he doesn't, he's extremely specific and he doesn't give you credit for religious works. He gives you credit for what he called you to do in your generation. So one day you'll stand before, I mean, this is just for everyone in this room, we'll stand before God. And it doesn't matter if you came to church every Sunday. doesn't matter if you, if you gave to the mission team that went to Israel. doesn't matter if you were nice to your neighbor. All that stuff is good. But he'll ask you is, did you fulfill the purpose I put you here on earth to do? And you, it, it might not be a matter of getting into heaven, but you were born for greatness, not the American dream, not a cultural idea of who God is. This, this is not like, this is just, this, the seriousness of, of your life is vitally important. And so, do it God's way. I didn't plan on saying that, but it made me feel better. So plan on being with us. Be a person of your word. Show up. I, I, I know that might sound strong, but I'd just rather tell you the truth now than when you stand before God, you know. If you want to go somewhere where they'll make you, you know, just feel better about everything happening in your life, that's part of, <laughs> I'm just talking to, you know, that's part of our cultural problem. We're just telling people they're amazing, and you are amazing, but you're amazing enough to change. <laughs> it's just true. You know, I, I told someone really close to me this week, I said, Listen, if you see something that doesn't line up with my life, please tell me now, because I want to get it right now. I don't want to have to go, man, I, I, have, I have deceived myself for 125 years of my life here on earth. I'm not joking either. I, I, when I get to 60, I'm midlife. I believe the Bible. You can believe what the doctor tells you. I'm going to believe the Bible. I'm serious. He says in Proverbs 3, if you meditate 
on the book of the law, he'll extend to you the years of your life. And because it takes me a while to get things sometimes, I'm going to need a little extra time to get all things right. <laughs> Somebody asked me how old I was this week. They said, there's no way. I said, there's it, there is a way. I'm aging, but I'm not getting older. And I just plan on growing and gifting, growing and anointing. I, I was preaching at someone, the, I don't know why I'm saying all this, but I was preaching at somebody on the treadmill a few weeks ago. I said, I'm going to be preaching. I'm 90 years old, I'm going to travel the world preaching the gospel. I said, I'm not going to buy that thing. You've got you know, you to slow down. You know, you're getting all there, slow down. You know. God didn't tell me that. I mean, you could do whatever you want with your life. I'm just going to live according to the word of God. So, all right. Got two amens. It's still true. The, the, you know, there's certain things that are true. With, you know, the, the gospel is not true because it works in my life. It's true. But it works in my life. <laughs> The sky is blue, no matter what you think about it, you know. There is, no, there is no such thing as your truth. There's just the truth. Okay, all right, I'm done with that. Uh, real quick, we have a resource table back there. Do you know the greatest thing that you ever have in your life is your story? The greatest thing you can tell someone is, this is what God is doing in my life, and he can transform your life. You're like, I, you know, like, someone's struggling, you're like, hey, let me help you. I have favor with God. And when I pray for you, I want you to be convinced that you have favor with God. So a story about my journey. Uh, here are two, two really important things I want to uh, point out to you back there we have on the table. The renewed mind, you cannot live beyond your place of thinking. I mean, you can shout amen all day you want, but if your mind doesn't shift... And if you're not progressing in truth, then, then you will cease to be as relevant as God wants you to. There is no cruise control in the kingdom of God. So welcome to walking by with God that it's always feeling like Gumby. And one thing that I've learned about humanity is once we get used to something, we don't like change. I don't like change. I, I've been in cities. I travel almost every week. I've been in cities where they're like, oh, you know, you can eat at the restaurant there at the hotel. I'll eat there every day if it works. But I've learned with God, he has a rhythm, he has a focus, and usually he wants you completely not thinking like logic. So a whole series on that. And then literally, this is, this is by one of my fathers. This is the best book on identity I have ever read. And I've read a lot. Leaders are readers. If you don't read, you'll never grow. You know what's really expensive? Staying ignorant. It's very, very expensive to stay ignorant. You don't want to stay ignorant your whole life. Do you know there's such a thing in America as called proud ignorance? People like to stay ignorant. But... You don't want to be proudly ignorant. No, I'm serious. Uh, one of the great generals of the faith, uh, he's passed on, Miles Monroe. He's, he would read, I think he said, five books a month. And they said, well, that's really expensive. He goes, you know, it's really expensive to stay dumb. So it's, it's really important. I, I have a thirst for knowledge, but not just knowledge, knowledge that transforms me. 
You can become like a Greek. You just, you know, some people just like to listen to stuff. I like to listen to stuff. And what does that mean? And how do I think differently from, from hearing that? That's what it means to walk with God. You know, it's interesting. I like the moving of the Holy Spirit. I like when it gets real crazy. But it's interesting. It, it, it's only till after Jesus left that they had a Holy Ghost meeting. Why? Because he was after people's souls and minds. He was after, like, let me change your mind. It's a whole lot better to think like I do. So this, this is it's called David perceived he was king. I'm telling you, I want, I, I'd encourage you to pick this up. Any leader in this room, I, I encourage you to get it, which is everyone. Okay, I have an assignment this morning, I believe, from the Lord. And I'm going to share uh, a number of things that I feel like the Lord's put on my heart this morning. But I think there's like a, a prophetic introduction, and then there's a teaching. <laughs> so I'm just going to go with that. Uh, why, don't, why don't we just lift our hands and pray for a moment? God is here. And, and lifting your hands is just a sign of surrender. If you don't feel like lifting your hands, lift it anyway. It'll make you feel better. Father, today, we're in deep need of you. And so in recognition of our need for you, we say, speak to our lives today. Father, I need your help. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Put your words in my mouth. Thank you for the angel of revelation that's here. Let the, let the spirit of wisdom and revelation rest upon this word. Father, we need your word, so open up your word to us. Let it be like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus who you pointed out the scriptures to them that revealed you. So reveal yourself today. Let Give people ears to hear and eyes to see. Ears to hear, eyes to see. And I declare I'm sowing the word on 30, 60, and 100 full return on good soil. Let miracles take place in this room. Uh, there's someone here, you have a, a pain in your lower back, and the Lord is healing your lower back. Be healed in Jesus' name. Right shoulder, I believe a pain goes down your arm. I don't know if it's the same person. I'm telling you, before you leave, you are healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. Father, even as the word goes forth, let faith arise for healing in this room. I'm telling you, if you, if you, you didn't feel or sense anything, that's okay. Just as the word goes forth, put your faith. Jesus is right in the middle of this room. It's a beautiful thing. So we honor you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for being here. And we ask that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a phrase in the Gospels and it talks about, and I won't read it just because I don't really want to spend too much time on it, but it talks about a great multitude. It constantly will talk about this great multitude being around Jesus. And that phrase has struck me for uh, months now, probably years, the last few years. And this is what I've come to conclude. I, I certainly don't, haven't grasped it all, because that, that's why it's the living word. You think you understand something, and it, you, you actually just begin to understand what he, what, what he wanted you to know in that moment, but it's a constant revealing of who he is. I get very nervous around people who kind of, it's not really said, but they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. 
and you know that you are moving in that direction in your thinking is if you go, I've heard that before. Because it's likely means you needed to hear it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. I have yet to meet anyone batting 100%, so you probably all need to hear it again, including myself. So it talks about a multitude being around Jesus, and what I believe that the gospel writer is putting that in there, breathed by the Holy Spirit, is this, that you can be around Jesus, you could know what he says, you could know when he's moving in the miraculous, and I want to suggest to you that when Jesus was around, there was a culture around Jesus. They understood what it was like to be around Jesus, but yet... They actually never became disciples, put their faith in him. And here's another big part of that one. They actually never received what they could have received by being around Jesus. If I'm going to suggest to you there was a culture around Jesus, perhaps they were even uh, partners in Jesus' ministry. But there's a difference in acclimating a culture and, and, and even uh, a physical understanding of what, it like, what it's like to see Jesus move and aligning with him. And the reason I'm saying that is this. I came to say this, that this is literally, listen to me. I don't, know, I don't know everything, but I know that. Listen to me this morning. This is the greatest al- time to be alive in church history. Amen. There is a door in, ho- in heaven for everyone. In, how many are in Christ. If you're not sure, that means no. And I can help you with that, but no problem. You know, there's no such thing as in the middle of the road in the kingdom of God. In the middle of the road, you like that, the cartoon, you get run over. If you're in the middle of the road, you'll get run over by the devil over and over and over again. But this is the greatest time to be alive. The Lord spoke to me about four years ago, and he said, this generation will be given, sec- uh, given access to secrets into the ancient of days that no other generation has been given access to. I'm telling you, wisdom and understanding is available for everything you would ever walk through. But it's not just for you. See, what I've learned is if I want to transform the world, it's got to transform me. And God is not after events. You got to, I've learned this, man. I got to be ready all the time. Lord Jesus. Man, I just, I just eating dinner and people are, can you prophesy this? And I'm like, oh. The person is dying. Can you pray for him? You got to be ready. But within that framework, this can be the greatest time to be alive, but it will be your choice if you will become a participator. Because just like during Jesus' time, he can be moving He can be operating. He can have everything that you have need available to you for your destiny, for your family, to transform generations, to transform your city. Listen, all the power in the world to transform the the region of Wilmington is in this room. It's not out there. 
is definitely not at CNN. It's definitely not at Fox News. It is right here, right now, right in this room. But I heard this phrase early in the morning, and this was it. The Lord says that this is a season of divine alignment for the church in this city. And the Lord would say, align, 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 align as never before. I see like even like a, a, a dividing line right through the sanctuary today. And the Lord would say, there is a dividing line in the spirit and there is an invitation to come up higher and to see as I would want you to see and to see from heaven's perspective. But the Lord would say, do not look back. Do not even look, do not even consult your past or your previous experiences for where I want to take you. If you are bound, the Lord says there is grace to be set free. If you are depressed, there is grace to deliver you. Because the Lord would say there is even today a delivering grace. A delivering grace for my people to be delivered of every evil work and every work of darkness and every place in their mind that they've aligned with the wrong thinking. But even today, there is a trumpet of alignment, a trumpet to come closer. For I want to entrust this generation with unprecedented power, power for miracles, power to raise the dead, power for transformation, power to change generations. And there is even today an unlocking of heaven, the Lord says, over this group of people for wisdom and understanding, wisdom and understanding that would bring healing to this city. I see like this time clock in the spirit, and there's something about the next month. There's something about the next month, says the Lord. There's a, there's a window open in this next month where I'm going to reveal strategies. I'm going to reveal understanding. I'm going to reveal wisdom. And I'm going to reveal things, the Lord says, that has kept this city bound in darkness. I see like this picture, and I believe it's like the deep foundation of this city. And I see the Lord giving us strategies to unlock the chains that have been entrenched in this city so long. So the Lord would say, there is an invitation. There is an invitation from the heart of God to come now to me, to allow me, to be the author and the finisher of your faith, to allow me to write your story as never before, to allow me I see like, um, I don't know why I see it like in the right-hand corner from my right, there's like an angel of the Lord looking 
over the bowels of heaven and he's looking on what is happening here. And he's like writing the history. He's trying to write God's history for this city to the people of God in this room. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Just take a moment. From my right to my left, to moving across this auditorium, there's just a release of God's fire. Woo! Shemoha sokamahayat sokarabahaya. Shu habaha sokabahaya. Someone's a, 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 you have a pain in your lower, uh, uh, lower part of your neck. The Lord is healing your neck. Fire of God's on your neck. Just be healed. Be healed. Be healed. In Jesus' name. Whew. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So if you have your Bibles, that was section one this morning. It was a pretty good section one. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Mike, is it possible to get a bottle of water? Thank you. I think I left mine up there. Hebrews chapter 11. How many brought your Bibles today? Faith, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance in uh, verse 1 means the ultimate reality that underlines all outward manifestations and change. So it can be said that faith... Thank you very much. Is the ultimate reality that underlines all outward manifestations and change. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. I want you to keep in mind something this morning, just as uh, we, we just kind of dig into what I felt like the Lord put on my heart, is this, that everything you see has been defined what you can, by what you cannot see. You, me... Groups of people are the result of a value system that defines people's behaviors. Your value system cannot be seen, but it, but it can be demonstrated in your behavior. If you don't like how certain things are going in your life right now, or certain things are out of alignment, then you probably need to change something in your belief system. It's amazing. There's, there's another verse I've been meditating on for, for months now, and it's this. It says this. It, 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 it says, they asked Jesus, what do, John 6, what do we need to do to do the works of God? That's a fascinating question. Good question, too. I'm constantly asking that. And he doesn't go, okay, so let me give you the five steps. I got the book back there on the table. If you dig into that one, you'll, you'll, we'll get you on that path. He says, this is the work of God, that you may believe in him who he sent. 
he goes to a place that cannot be seen. He says, your belief system determines if you can do the works of God. But he touches on it in other places because he says in Mark, Mark 16, these signs will follow them. Now catch this. He doesn't say who fast and pray. Do you know you can fast and pray, but if you approach God the wrong way, you're getting nowhere. Keep another thing in mind. God, in the kingdom, and you'll see here why this is so, God does not respond to need. He responds to you putting him inside of your need. That's quiet when you tell people that, but it's really true. If God was a need-based God, then we wouldn't have a lot of the problems we had. He goes, I'll just take care of it. That's why sometimes he doesn't respond to, help me, Lord. He doesn't respond to that. Because often what we're saying is, I really don't believe that you can do anything, but I'll try this. He is not a need-based God. If he was need-based, he would just save people himself. He creates... His point of view, he, he positions himself to fix every one of your needs, but you have to put him inside of those needs. Who gets real quiet when you say that? For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. How did they obtain a good testimony? By faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So how were the worlds framed? By the word of God. And notice there, too, this is really, really important about belief system. He doesn't say you have understanding and then have faith. He, has, he says you have faith that causes you to understand. And faith, real faith, is of the heart. It's not of the mind or the intellect. That's why your intellect needs to be changed. It doesn't mean he wants you dumb. In, in around what I grew up, they were very sincere people, but it's almost like they downplayed the mind. Your mind is good. He gave you that intellect, but it's not supposed to guard, guard uh, uh, define your life. Amen. They're framed by the word of God. Here it goes, what I just said, so that the things, the things, the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And then just skip on to verse 6. You'll notice there, I encourage you to read that a little later, but uh, you'll notice there that many of the people there, what, what we referred to in the Hall of Fame of Faith, did not actually see everything on earth that they were believing God for. That's very fascinating to me, because God thinks generationally. I said it a minute ago. Do you know the greatest thing you can ever do is stand in faith for things in your family and make choices so that your family can live in it? But here's the beautiful thing about God's system. If you stood in faith and trusted God for it, even though you might have transitioned, I like that word transition because I'm never going to die. We are not as though who grieve. Why don't you need to grieve? Because they're just in another place and we'll see them soon. 
if I stand in faith and have trusted God, I get credit as though I was alive during that time. You know what Jesus said? He said that Abraham saw my day and was glad. I'm telling you, he doesn't think like an American. That's why he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Abner, Mike Thornton. I'm a Gentile, but I'm grafted in, baby. Verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. 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 So if, it, if without faith, you can't please him, faith must be a pretty important subject. So I'm not going to be able to do it in the next two hours, but <laughs> that nervous. I want to look for a few hours, no, just a few moments, on the subject of faith that you cannot exhaust in one setting. Faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. If you believe, you'll do the works of God. So faith must be the foundation of your belief system. What is the nature of faith? If you want to understand the nature of faith, it's, it, it's, it's really, really important. You have to go back to the beginning. You have God who is a spirit, right? He's a, this is, God is beyond genius level. How many know that you, are, you don't have a spirit, you are a spirit? Really, really important. What makes you legal on this earth is that you're in a body. That's why demons look for bodies. That's why you have to leave if you're not in a body anymore. You don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. So you have a three-part God, triune God. According to John 4, uh, God is a spirit. And this spirit creates the world. And he creates the world, what we'll see here in a minute, through faith. He creates the world through faith. We have this, 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 uh, this interesting verse in Romans 4 that we see, verse 16, if you want to follow along. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. The best definition I've ever heard of grace is God's overwhelming desire to treat people as though they've never sinned. It's a good kingdom. Now I'm spitting, so I know I'm doing good. <laughs> so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to, to those who are the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. That's fascinating that he calls Abraham our father. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God. And then he tell, this is obviously referring to Abraham. I mean, I'm telling you, God is funny. God is like, he's really funny. If you, if you don't think God is a little funny, then you haven't read the Bible. I mean, he goes to a guy called Abram, later he's going to change his name, called Abraham. He's too pucker to tucker, and he goes, hey, I'm going to make covenant with you, and through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed, and you're, you, you, look, look, at the, look, at the, uh, look at the stars, you're going to have that many descendants. I mean, if that's not a little crazy, little problem, they can't have kids. 
his wife laughs at God. <laughs> I tell you, this is funny stuff. If you've ever doubted God, you can be like Abraham. But this is what he tells Abraham. He's speaking about Abraham, but then he, he gives a characteristic about God. He said, who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. He calls things that do not exist as though they did. Now, how do we know that God has faith? I'm glad you asked me, Mike Thornton. Look at Mark 11. I know we're going a lot, a lot of scripture here, but I think you can handle it. We'll pick it up. We'll pick up the story in verse 20. Now in the morning they passed by, they saw a fig tree. Uh, let's start, actually, it's good to read the whole story. Verse 12. Now the next day when they come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Notice the, the, the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was the first man since Adam to display God's original intent. Very, very important. Everything you see in Jesus, God wanted out of Adam with the exception that I don't know how you can improve upon perfection. In the garden, he walks with Adam. In Jesus, he now lives in a man. And seeing from a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not seasoned for the figs. By the way, you want to see a fig tree? They're huge. In response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Notice that Jesus does not check those leaves. He doesn't check them and go, well, you know, like, I, I think it could die soon. It's not doing too good. He hears. How do we know he heard? I only do what I hear my father doing in heaven. And out of hearing, he speaks. He uses his belief system to change the world that he's in. Nine words speaks to that tree. An unseen realm that is manifest through the words he speaks, speaks to that tree. And here's the really good thing. In between, you don't, you don't see Jesus going back to the Father going, hey, is that thing working? Because what you'll notice about the life of faith, this is where it gets a whole, lot of, a whole real good. If your faith is positioned properly, God is working on your behalf when you cannot see it. Amen. Now, there's a little minor story in between there about him overthrowing the temple. It's very minor. I'm convinced that if Jesus showed up in most American churches, they would kick him out as being unloving. Verse 20. You don't get many amends with that. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. What does that mean? It got dried up from the inside out. Inside out. And notice too, everything that Jesus told that tree happened. And Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. The fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. 
So Jesus speaks to a tree, Peter's amazed, and this is Jesus' classic teaching on the subject of faith. Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Oh, you, we can leave after that, but we won't, no matter what you're walking through today. Have faith in God. Feel depressed? Have faith in God. Not feeling too good? Need a job? Have faith in God. Got a kid on drugs? Have faith in God. Got a boss who hates you? Have faith in God. Need money? Have faith in God. Literally, and this is no charismatic theologian, one of the, one of the best theologians on the subject uh, uh, in the original language says, he goes, the best translation and the Bible basic English translation points this out, says it literally is saying, have God's faith. Now, this is where it gets really good, because Jesus is teaching us, this is a startling revelation. You, what are you talking, God has faith? Yes. Now, here's, this is genius stuff here. God is love. So, everywhere you see God moving in scripture, it is not a distortion to go, when love began, God created the heavens and the earth. For God so loved the world that he gave. Everything that God, you can, you can always interchange it with the love of God. So God is love, but he has faith. He tells us in Romans 4, I'm the one who calls things be not as though they are. Where do you see that? I'm glad you asked. Book of Genesis. When time began, God created the heavens and the earth. And God, despite what some people say, God did not create something out of nothing. God has a mind and a heart. And if he knew we would be here today, I want to suggest to you that the earth he created was not unintentional. So what does he do? He uses the God kind of faith to call things be not as though they are. He goes, light and light be. Mountains and mountains go. And he speaks the universe into existence. He, and this is the brilliance of God. God has absolute confidence that when he steps into faith, that everything he desires is going to happen. And he says that same confidence in the faith that I have, you can have it. I'm telling you, this is a really good system. But here's what he does. In Genesis 1, this is very, very important. Look at Genesis 1. Notice there's a pattern that God establishes. God speaks, God speaks, God speaks, God speaks. This is a word-activated world. You cannot get from out from under living in a word-governed world. The only thing you get to choose is what words you're going to speak. So be very, very, very careful what you say. Because your words will define your world. Resist cultural statements like I'm losing my mind or that's unbelievable or I never can do that. 
No, because you were created to believe God. See, what happens is we say these things, and I know we, we may not even realize, oh, that's unbelievable. So you sit down and read the Bible, and you're, you're trying to read, and you go, I just I don't have a trouble understanding that. Why? Because those words are working. Hear this one all the time. I just feel so overwhelmed. You know what the enemies, the enemies go, yep, I'll help you be overwhelmed. And here's another one. I'm just losing my mind. And the enemy's going, got him now. I have no power over you except what you agree with me with. So those words, by God's faith, do everything they're supposed to do. And then a divine shift happens. Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. This is key right here. Let them, let them. Let them, let them, let them, let them, let them, let them, let them. He doesn't say, notice this fascinating. He doesn't say let us. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle. That's why it's okay to kill cows and eat steak. And then he reemphasizes this point over all the earth, over all the earth, over all the earth, over all the earth. Who's in charge of the earth? Thank you for the one person following me. (laughs) Over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created male and female. 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 No, the young people are in here. There are not multiple genders. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29, and God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to it shall be food for you. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every herb for food and it was so. So this is, this is exceedingly important here, and there's a bunch of things we can pull out, but let's focus on two things. First thing you'll see is that, well, this is also important. God is not interested in creating a religion. America might be, but God is not. He is interested in a kingdom, and this is what he does. He creates heaven and earth, and according to Psalm uh, 11, he sets up his throne in heaven. But this is what he does. He sets up a man and a woman as his representative on the earth. You'll see in, in that garden, there is gold in that garden and onyx. Where else is there gold and onyx? In heaven. So he puts part of heaven on earth, in that garden. And he goes, Adam, Eve, you're in charge. I'm going to heaven. You're on the earth. You're going to be the closest thing to me on the earth. But this is where it gets really, really good. 
everything Adam needed on earth for dominion. Everything. He did not and you are not. No humanity is ever created to take care of themselves. Adam never looked at Eve before the fall and go, honey, how are we going to pay the light bill? Man, college is getting real tough. How are we ever going to do that? And where are we going to live? And you know, these farm prices are going up real high. He's created to take care of the earth, but he's not created to take care of himself. So the most natural connection point between heaven and earth and all the resources of God is trust in God. You have to understand how you were created to function. Your most natural state as a human being is to trust God. So, what is Adam? An ambassador. An ambassador of heaven who's living on the earth. I was in the UK earlier this year. It's fascinating. I went on this tour, bike tour. I like those. I don't do very good as a tourist, but I can do okay on bike tours because they bring you all around. You get to see things. Stop for coffee, and then it's over. <laughs> get a little exercise, too. We stopped in this square in the middle of London, and I look over, Canadian Embassy. I said, oh, isn't that interesting? The Canadian Embassy is right in the middle of London. Do you know what happens if you go to that Canadian embassy? If you go to that Canadian embassy and you step through the threshold of that, all the laws of Canada apply to that piece of property. And I've never heard, I live, out of, I live outside of Fayetteville, Fort Bragg. I've never heard any of those guys, I know some really sharp guys, I've never heard of them go, I said, hey, where are you going next? Oh, I'm going to be stationed over here. I'm going to go to Korea for this amount of time. I've never heard them go, will you stand with me? I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I'm not sure if I'm going to have the right artillery while I'm there. Will you believe God with me? Never do that. Why? Because they're sending government. Same thing with an ambassador. They're sending government has made sure that everything they have need of is provided for. But now here's the exchange. If an ambassador is operating correctly, that ambassador never, ever, 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 ever gives his opinion about anything. Mr. Ambassador... What is the position of your country on same-sex marriage? Well, the position of my country is this. He's representing a foreign government. You're supposed to be representing a foreign government who has an assignment in the earth. Notice also he had a purpose in the earth. Notice also the first thing that Adam ever hears. This is a beautiful thing. God speaks, God speaks, God speaks, God speaks. Man, be the first voice he ever hears is the voice of God. You are, and, and he is created. You've been created to go. Once you hear that voice, yes, I trust that. Yes, I trust that. That's the, he says this, man 
shall not live by bread alone. What's he telling you? He's connecting with, if you don't eat, you can't live. If you don't hear my voice, you can't live. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he hears that voice, and instinctively, he knows that's the voice I'm going to follow. Listen to me. This is a key principle. You are a voice-activated being. Your life today has now been defined by the voice or the voices in, in God, in Christ, there's only one voice. In the world, there's multiple voices. Could be a demon. Could be speaking demonic things to different people. But the voice you listen to has now defined your behavior. How do we know? Genesis 3. They have complete governance over that earth. The enemy was never meant to ever cause you any harm. I mean, I'm telling you, God is a little twisted. He has New Jersey humor. I'm convinced. God and devil are not opposites. Hear me. God and the devil are not opposites. Our problem is not the devil in the earth. He's already been bound. You never hear apostolic teaching, fight the devil. It was, what has God said? And when God said this, the devil's going to be destroyed. Some people are like, oh, the devil's asking. No, you're not that important. He said, fight the fight of faith. Genesis 3. Listen, he could have just destroyed the devil after the devil did what he did. I was reading about the devil the other day. What a beautiful created being. But he forgot who made him. That's a message for the American church. I'd like you to be beautiful, but you keep forgetting who made you. And notice what happens in Genesis 3. God doesn't step in. Why? Because he said, you're over all the earth. Because this is another key part about the life of faith. They had complete dominion over the devil. I'm telling you, this is what, this is, this is what God does. He goes, all right, devil, you want worship? First of all, you're not going to be able to ever come back to heaven again. I'm convinced where he was worshiping from was on the earth. That's just my personal opinion. He goes, you're going to stay down there. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create people made in my image, my likeness. I'm going to put them in charge of the earth. And I'm going to put them over you. And they're going to extend heaven on earth where you've been kicked out of. And everything they do is going to be a worshipful act unto me. And every time they execute dominion over you, you're going to remember that I don't even have time for you. And I can create created beings who are bigger than you. And then one day, I'm going to throw you into a lake. I mean, God might be into a little slow torture there. (laughs) What happens? A voice, a contrary voice comes really, really big. Your ability to distinguish the correct voice and the wrong voice define your life. That's why it's so important. You better stay in that word. Shut off the TV. 
You ain't got time. You ain't got time. You, you, you're already thinking incorrectly. Take the 10 minutes on the way to work. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Get in the Word of God before you go to bed. Get it into it when you wake up. They listen to that voice, and what does that do? She internalizes that voice, and she looks. And notice, too, the devil, God is a spirit God, and the devil is a sensory devil. He operates through the senses. Not, nothing he does is, is it's, everything he does is operating through the soul, the will, the emotions, enticing you with things God already has given you. They listen to that voice, and don't ever believe your choices don't matter. Destruction. And notice, too, that God doesn't step in. Because God will hold you responsible for what he's told you. He's a really good father, but he doesn't go, stop, that's a really bad move. It's really going to mess things up down here. Got to get rid of that theology. Well, you know, if God doesn't want me to have it, you know, he'll just step in and tell me. People are blaming God for things he has made them responsible for. They agree. Their body is corrupted and the earth is corrupted. And what happens? Immediately, they look on themselves when they were supposed to just look to God. And a system comes into place. I call it the world system. The world system is simply this, is man's way of trying to make it in this world without God. And philosophies, systems of government have all been created to try and meet what can only be found in the kingdom of God. But here's what he does. Notice the pattern too. He starts with a man. Why? Because he is, God is so committed to his word, he will not violate his word. Once he says, over all the earth, he can't just come into the earth arbitrarily. He's got to find willing people. God does not operate in the earth independent of people anymore. You don't like it? Take it up with him. Finds a man called Abram. Makes covenant with him. He doesn't quite fully fulfill what God intended the nation of Israel. We know. But this is what he does. Jesus comes back on earth. And he, what does he say? Because one of the things that was corrupted was the mind of man. Think about this. How was Adam able to name those animals? Brilliant mind. Not governed by logic. Not governed by reason but governed by the voice of God. Who told him? He didn't go to NC State to name those animals. He is God-educated. He is knowledge of God-educated. I'm telling you, most of the things that we've come to know are not really correct. So his mind is corrupted, and what does Jesus come? What is the first thing he says when he comes? He once again focuses on the mind of man. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is hand. And this is where it gets really good. It gets really good because he goes, without faith, it's impossible to please me. Without faith, you can't come into the kingdom. But here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to give everyone the measure of faith. However you responded to the gospel message, the only way you could respond was because God gave you the measure of faith. That's how you come into the kingdom. It's only, this, this is brilliant stuff. He still requires you to choose him. But your ability to choose him is only because he gives you the power to choose him. But you still got to choose him. Where's that? Oh, it's getting a little late, but I might go a little overtime today. Thank you for the one, it's okay. I'm going to run with that. Look at Romans, the 12th chapter. For I say, through the grace given, is everyone still with me? Okay, I got six people. I can work with all of them. For I say, through the grace of Romans, the 12th chapter, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought, but to think soberly. This is Romans 12, verse 3. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Ephesians 2. Notice the apostolic emphasis. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. For by grace you've been saved. No matter how you got born again, it was that measure of faith that allowed you to respond to that gospel message. But here's where it even gets better. He gives you the measure of faith that is actually a portion of God himself. He goes, you know, without faith, you can't please me. So here you go, Katie. It's like me telling Katie, hey, go down the street, go pick up lunch for me. And she goes, okay, I'm going. And I go, and this is, this is how God does it. He goes, no, 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 hold on a second. Let, let me give you my keys to get across there, to get what you need. God kind of faith. Gives you this measure. You come into the kingdom by faith, but now you're supposed to live by faith. Before we go any further, though, You have to understand that biblical faith can only rest on God's revelation of himself. Really, really important. Why am I saying that? Because there's a culture that exists today, even in the body of Christ, that that, that believes this. That if I've agreed with it intellectually, it means I believe it. That is not biblical faith. Because you can agree that... Jesus raised from the dead, that Jesus was a miracle worker, but you can also agree that you'd like to keep this immoral part of your life. It can only rest on God's revelation of himself. What did he say? He says, I am the way. I'm the only way, the truth, and the life. You can come to the kingdom as you are, but you can't stay as you is. (laughs) Why? Because just like faith, and this is the beautiful thing, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are 100% committed to every person in this room. They are 100% all in on everything you need. And because of that, they hold you responsible for receiving everything you need. Let me just tell you this story to illustrate the point I'm making there. I have a friend. He's a brilliant guy. 
PhD, MBA. I talked to him for about 10 minutes. He said, Admiral, did you understand what I said? I said, I understood the first two minutes. I lost you after about minute three. Let's try again. He grew up Catholic, I believe in California. He's in school. He's at Berkeley his first year. And he has some guys who tell him the plan of salvation. And he thinks to himself, anyone who would ever be a believer has got to be a dumb person. That's what he thought. He said, no one would ever believe that. But here's what happens. Get that word going. It's like a woodpecker. Don't ever give up on anyone. Just let that seed go on the inside of them. Even if they curse you, it's still going on the inside of them. Had someone like, I didn't get all mad at me. I said, you got a problem. I just told you the truth. Now it's going to work. It's going to bother you. Told my brother, you don't want to serve the Lord? I said, you got a problem. Grew up in the wrong house. To whom much is given, much is required. You're going to be miserable till you serve the Lord. I don't play when it comes to my family. So I pray. I don't pray God. I don't pray the devil hurts him. I just say, keep him miserable. Let him not sleep at night, Lord, till he gives his life completely to you. Make it irresistible, the gospel. So that thing's working on the inside of him. He's sitting on his dorm room bed. And he says, he says, God, I'll serve you, but I don't want to be dumb. God always responds to a sincere heart. He doesn't like to be put on trial. And he doesn't need to, you don't need to put a fleece out to prove his existence. But he will respond to a sincere hero. He said, I hear this voice real loud on the inside of me. And it says, no deal. He said, next night, sitting in my dorm room again, same bed. I said, fine, God, I will surrender all. And he goes, deal. How do you know if you have real biblical faith? If you base your entire existence on what God has said. I don't say this arrogantly, but what I'm doing right now, this is my life's work. This is what I will be judged for. So biblical faith can only rest on God's revelation of himself in scripture. You don't add to God when you come to faith in him. So we're required to live this journey called faith. We walk by faith. We come into the kingdom by faith, but we walk by faith. And your faith has been designed to help you overcome everything in this world. Listen to me. Walking with God is not like going to a casino. I know it's not said usually, but people approach God like that. Well, you know, you, you got Mike, and you know he, he's really devoted to the Lord, so God answers his prayers, and I'm just hoping that maybe he'll help, help me over here. No! And people talk to God constantly like he doesn't want to help them. Look at 1 John. I am almost through. Can you hang on for a few more moments? I'm glad you can because I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Verse 3, 1 John. This is the epistle of John, not the gospel of John. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. 
For whatever is born of God. How many are born of God? Overcomes the world. Not wins some, not loses some. Not you never know what God's going to do. Not that we even have to beg him. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is he? Then he goes, the, the apostolic teaching goes back to this. Who is he that have overcome the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what does he do? He gives you the measure of faith that's on the inside of him. He goes, take my keys to overcome. And by the way, as I sent Jesus, so I send you. What does that mean? That everything you have need of on this earth, healing, deliverance, finances, everything you have need of, it's already been set aside for you and it's already been paid for. That's why it's so important to walk in purpose. Because God has no, resp- no responsibility to back up your idea of a career. That is one thing we need to teach people. We teach, you can do whatever you want. Actually, no. In the kingdom of God, you're an ambassador and you do whatever he wants. Now, it might be likely what you're passionate about. It might be likely what you're good at. All that stuff. But you better check with headquarters. I'm like, the, I'm like Paul, New King James Version, when he gets knocked off the donkey. God, what would you have me to do? Woke up this morning, very early. God, what would you have me to do? How would I serve your people today? I don't get it. Listen, I really don't get up here because I, you know, like I, I, I have this need. I have this need to obey the Lord and his calling on my life and to live out that purpose and to do it in the best way I know how. Everything you have need of has already been provided for. Amen. Come on. So here's, let me give you a few things to land the plane with this. Over 20 years of walking this thing out, but you, you, you almost have to do, I almost do it every three days. God, with your help, I make a fresh commitment to obey your word. Oh, this is where it gets really fun. Americans don't like this because he's really going to tell you some stuff if you really like that. And if you don't hear his voice, maybe there's not a willing ear. But I'm here to tell you, God called you on the greatest adventure of faith when he called you into the kingdom. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to live according to what you see. I'm here to tell you, you can overcome everything. I'm here to tell you that he gave and has a really good life for you. A life, you know, know people are like, ah, it's really hard following God. You know what's really hard? Trying to do it your way. Lord Jesus, I've learned it takes just as much energy to trust God as it does to not obey God. I've decided I'm not going to fight him anymore. This is what he says. Jesus said this. I can do only 
He has a will, though. But I can do... What's he doing? He's living as a man with no options. You got to get rid of plan B, C, D, E, F. There is only one plan. It's his voice and his word. So you have to make a fresh, conscious, intentional decision that you will obey his word and you will exalt his word in your life as the highest standard. And I'm telling you, that's where it gets real fun. When you go, God, I'll do whatever you want. Okay, this is what I want you to do. No, 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 no. God, I want to be light on my job. Yes, go forgive your boss. I'm going to trust you with everything. Great. Clear out your bank account. You laugh. That's how it works. Why? Because in the journey of faith, he will constantly touch the areas of your affection that are, that you, that are, that are, are rooted in the world system and not in him. Rich young ruler. What should I do to inherit eternal life? Keep the commandments. And this is also where the rubber... See, when you walk with the Lord for a while and have a little fruit, this is where it gets real challenging. I'm serious. The Lord told me years ago, he goes, you can have lots of money in your ministry bank account, you have people know your name, but only you and I will ever know if you're obeying me. And he goes, all these have I kept from my youth. And I want to suggest to you, the, part of the reason he's wealthy is because he has obeyed the word. All right, tells us in Deuteronomy. It is the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth. And Jesus doesn't challenge him. He doesn't go, no, 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 I saw the way you looked at that woman in Walmart. He gave that extra look. He doesn't. What does he do? See, it's not a checklist. This is what it's, I'm telling you, this is what it's like to walk the life of faith. You go, I'm doing, I always say, I'm doing pretty good until the Lord starts talking to me about something. And the tendency is to try and live out of principle. Do this. No, I'll do it. I want you to go Wednesday nights. You go to the first one. But unless you're intentional, the enemy will find a reason why you can't go to the next three. And he'll use scripture. Well, you know, you got to take care of your family. You need to get that overtime in. Who's your source? I told you to go to the Wednesday night. This is how this thing works. And he goes, okay, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Why? Why? Whatever was going on with this young man, he's like, I'm doing pretty good. God's blessed me. And if the economy goes south, I got this stash over here. And then Jesus says to him, you can follow me. He could have been in the Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association, but he liked this stuff. And Jesus didn't negotiate with him. Jesus didn't give him all the biblical reasons why he was going to be blessed. Hey, man, did you hear about the hundredfold return? And 
Let me give you the Copeland tape here. You know, it's good stuff here. All that stuff's true, but he doesn't entice him with that. If you're going to walk the life of faith, you also have to know the kindness and the goodness of God. You won't trust a God that you don't really know. So what we need to do is hear and hear again. And then faith, what? Comes by hearing. Abner translation. Hear and 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 hear. You know, one of the examples I always use when I talk about this is, you know, quite honestly, I think I've heard John and Carol, I don't know how many times, they preach the same message. And every time they stand up, I think to myself, I'm doing pretty good. Then I go, oh, got to adjust here. Got to adjust there. Got to adjust there. That's why I told the nation of Israel, talk about the word of God. Talk about it with your children. Remember what God has done. What's he trying to do? Change their consciousness. Amen. How do you know your mind's changing? By what comes out of your mouth. Make a commitment to put the word of God first place. Intentional commitment. Number two, hear and hear again. And then let it go there's something, the Lord told me like seven years ago, I was in a conference with another well-known speaker, and he says, I want you to listen to what he said over and over and over again, and I'm still listening to it now almost eight years later. You know why? Because it hasn't sufficiently changed me. Number three, speak what you've heard. Number four, refuse to come into alignment with anything contrary to what God has said. I'm going to land the plane with this. Two stories, but I'll read this verse. Do you know what happens when you begin to speak the word of God? I'm telling you, I said it before, that unseen realm begins to work on your behalf. And he will give his angels charge over you. Psalm 103, the angels hearken unto the voice of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The words, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? But then he says, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So apparently, part of the life he called us to live has to do with capturing those words of life. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that whosoever, whosoever, right? Then he tells us, this is what he says, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whosoever, not the evangelist, not the church planner, whosoever. It's amazing to me that much of the body of Christ, 
Amen, brother. Whosoever calls on his name. But then they have real trouble with the speaking to the mountain one. But Jesus uses the same language. Whosoever. How many whosoever's are in the room today? Don't worry, I'll be back on Wednesday. Whoever says to this mountain, notice he doesn't say don't beg the mountain to go. He says, speak to that mountain. I'm telling you, this is where you got to be moved by what you cannot see. This is where you're, you know, the Lord has told you this, the Lord has told you that, and nothing's moving. And the enemy loves to define you by what you can see. But the life of faith is not according to what you can see, it's according to what God has said. Because truth is the highest form of reality. And you were not created to live by your intellect. You will die a bad death if you live according to your intellect. Never said that before, but it's true. It's absolutely true. Don't let your mind, don't let the state of North Carolina tell you how much money you can make. Don't let any religious organization tell you what your destiny. I just feel like saying stuff today. I mean, way too many Christians have leaders tell them all sorts of stupid things. Keep them bound. No movement. Week after week, they sit there in mausoleums. And we're supposed to be changing the world. Wow. I normally just say that in private. (laughs) Be removed. Be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart. Notice everyone's got doubt. It's just what you do with that doubt. But believes those things he says will be done. Believes those things he says. He will have. He will have. He will have. He will have. Listen to that principle. You're going to have it no matter if you believe it or not. He will have whatever he says. 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 That's how I know my brother's getting born again. I will have what I say. Tell you two stories and I'll land the plane. Overtime. It's okay. The game hasn't started yet. Still about 12-10, 12-15. About nine years ago, I had a dream has defined how I view a lot of things. In this dream, many of my dreams are like this. Jesus comes to me and he says to me, Abner, with a group of leaders, he goes, don't you know you can have what you say? I said, yes, Lord, I know that. (laughs) I'm explaining to Jesus in this dream. Yes, Lord, you know. You know you told me. Nine years ago, ten years ago, you told me this is what's going to happen in your life. This is, and you know, you said you can open a door, no back, and show you go around the world. You do all this, and guess what, God? At the time, the nursing home wasn't even inviting me to preach, but we trusted your word. We said your word. I remember speaking at gas tanks because I'd get more love than offering on the way to meetings. I said, "I'm going to the meeting. I'm not quitting." You can't quit in the life of faith. Oh, no, no, no. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. I didn't get in this for that. I'm either going to trust God or I'm going to die trusting God. That's got to be your stance. So Jesus is not impressed with my explanation. So he tells me a second time. Abner. He's a little sterner this time. Don't you know you can have what you say? 
So I'm a servant leader. He didn't understand the first time. I'll tell him again. I understood. Yes, Lord, you know. And I began to explain it again. For whatever reason, Jesus doesn't get my explanation to him. Comes to me a third time, and he is never mean or cruel. But this time, it's like he came right up to me. No! Don't you know? You can have what you say. Dream ended. I didn't get out my John Paul Jackson interpretation book. I didn't call my intercessor. Go, hey, what do you think this means? Can we get together and pray about it? I knew what he was saying. Three times. He wants it to be established in my life. He wants it to be established in the body of Christ. Here's what he says at the end. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That one always tricked me out a little bit. I still don't understand fully what it means, but I know this. Finally got this part. How can you believe that you received? Because you said it. Because he just told you you can have what you say. Notice, too, he's doing a teaching, but then he's actually applying his own teaching within the lesson. He's fascinating like that. Here's my last story. There's a, a man in this church. He's having, he, he could not quit cigarette smoking. Couldn't get rid of it. So he goes to the pastor. Pastor, I want to get rid of it. I just can't do it. Because this is what I want you to do. Every time you light up, I want you to say, in the name of Jesus, I'm completely delivered of cigarette addiction. He goes, Pastor, how can I say that? I'm not. I'm pretty bound right now. He goes, you're saying the truth about it. You're not saying what your current condition is about it. Let me just stop here for a minute because I can feel it in the room. You really want to live this way? Not every believer is going to embrace it. That's okay. It's okay. Because it, it, it defies intellect. But if you're going to change the world, you cannot live by your intellect. If you're going to see your family break into something they've never broken into, it'll have to defy the intellect. So he goes, yeah, I just want you to say this. Say it for 30 days. He's lighting up. He's given the confession. I think on day 19, comes back to the pastor. He goes, guess what happened? I was lighting up and I said that confession and I thought it triggered in my mind. I don't need to ever smoke again. Jesus has completely delivered of me of it. Put the cigarette down, never smoked again. Faith works like this. It's a beautiful thing. We don't arrive at this thing. Say you had a hole in the ceiling and a leak's coming through. You put, you know, one of the big industrial containers and the water's going to start dropping in there. See, because we've been educated the wrong way, we have to be constantly re-educated by God. So faith works like that. And don't believe that God's not going to judge your faith. When Jesus walked this earth, he would say, big faith, small faith, 
Little faith. Here's the thing you want to do. You just want your faith to grow. That thing will drop and drop and drop and drop and drop and drop until eventually, if it keeps dropping in there, it's going to overflow. And that's how faith is established in your heart. I always encourage people to do this. No matter what you're walking through today, find the promise in the word of God. God, this is what's happening now. I got this issue. I got this bill. I got this debt. I got this kid on drugs. I got this issue at work. I'm having trouble forgiving my mom. Whatever it is, put the other one on the inside. And then begin to put the promise on the inside of you and say it over and over and over and over again. You have trouble forgetting things. God, thank you that you've given me a brilliant mind. Thank you because I have wisdom. You've been made for me wisdom. And I've been redeemed from the curse. So thank you that my mind is whole. Thank you that I hear your word. Thank you that everything you tell me I can do. Thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What's, what's going to begin to happen is you'll become your greatest prophet and preacher. Did you receive this word today? Hey, thanks for being patient. If you receive this word, one, two, three, just stand on your feet and lift your hands. I want you just to, to, just to release all across this room just a prophetic roar unto the Lord for just a moment. Just lift your voice to him. I want you to just repeat this with me. There's going to be a power on this, I believe. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, name. with your help, help. I choose to put your word first, first. above everything else, else. above my weakness, weakness. because in your weakness, in my weakness, excuse me, (laughs) I'm made strong. Thank you, Father, for the God kind of faith. Thank you for the measure of faith that you're going to cause to grow. I choose with your help to walk by faith and not by sight. I don't want to be moved by what I see, but what I hear. So thank you for ears to hear. And eyes, to see. and eyes to see. With your help, Father, with your help, Father I, say today, I say today, November 11th, November 11th is, a day is a day of divine alignment. Just let that settle on you. Whoa. Oh, this is beautiful. Actually, there's like this angel of the Lord just breathing in this room. 
I, I, I was going to end here, but there's, there's this moment here. You just need to just declare some things over your life, just on your own right there, because there's a breath of heaven that will come upon what you say in this moment. Just go ahead, right there. It's okay. I just see now this angel just, it's like zigzagging all over the room as we just speak what God is saying. Now just lift your hands. I just want to just pray over you. You don't have to repeat this. Father, I bless your people here today. Thank you, Lord, that they've practiced patience with me being here today. Thank you, Lord, that none of them are offended that I went a little long. <laughs> but Lord, I bless your people to hear as never before. I bless them to partner with that unseen realm, to move move through the word of the Lord. I bless them with the mind of Christ. I say a door is opening of encounter with him into the beauty in the, in the ancient of days as never before. I bless them to hear. I bless them to see. And I bless, I just see Jesus anointing our eyes today. So I bless you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. May the word of God be your highest delight. And may, may, listen to me, may every good word that God has spoken over your life be fulfilled. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Hey, thank you very much. Hey, give Abner some love. Amen.